I mean, one of our big things at Women in Work, we want to see women leverage their potential for God's glory. Right. What God has put in you, man, use it. Like, do not waste the faculties He has put just in you. Like, use it for His glory. Welcome to the Women in Work podcast, the show that inspires you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore. And I'm Missy Branch. We want to introduce you to women who through their own unique vocations are seeing what they do make an eternal difference. And we pray these conversations will inspire you in your own calling to honor God, to image Him to the world through your work, and to leverage your potential for His glory. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome, friends, to another episode of the Women in Work podcast. Missy and I are just, this is just going to be such a fun episode. This is an episode we have not done before, you guys. It is our Ask Anything episode. And I have got to tell y'all, you sent in some great questions. You really blew us away. We got stuff from Instagram, Twitter. Um, we had a Google form that if you're on our newsletter, um, you receive that right in your inbox and you guys um, submitted questions to the form and um, such great questions. And any of the questions we don't cover today, we are going to be writing content for and um, get those questions answered for you in some way, even if we can't cover it all today. So Missy, Great, great chatting with you again. Yes, I'm so excited, Courtney. You know, we love this. This is so much fun. <laughs> it is so much fun. So we're just going to jump right in. And uh, the format we're going to take, we're just going to ask each other some questions and that you guys send in and just we're just go for it. So, all right, here we go. So the first go. question, Missy, that we got asked was, how did we assemble our team and decide to do a podcast together? So how about I answer the first part of that, and then you can take the second part. So Sounds good. our team, um, you guys, we have to tell y'all, we have such a group of women. <laughs> it, I am, I cannot, honestly, I cannot get over the kindness of the Lord on our behalf because he has been so good to us, you guys. Um, we have assembled our team basically through prayer yes, and waiting on his provision. That is, I know that sounds like a spiritual Sunday school answer, but it is the truth. We, from the very beginning, it is just like, take the next step. Okay. The next step is we need this person. God, who do we know? Is there someone you want to send our way? Mm -hmm. And some of that has been through our own networking and other of that has just been friends that we've known for over a decade, you know, um, and then other, we've had other women just literally drop email just straight out of the blue. Here's an email from a girl who's, who's skilled and talented in this way. And she wants to serve with us because she loves our vision and mission and she's come on board. And so, um, I can't, I mean, the hand of God and just his kindness and provision to bring every single woman has been, it, it, it just shows his love. I feel like for us, and um, the way he works, and he's happy to answer prayer. And also, I feel like his his love for our women, for you all listening to this right now, because yes. he wants to give you what you need through this ministry. And so, anyway, blown away by that. 
Yes. And you know, Courtney, I think I'd like to even add when, so Courtney and I were introduced to each other by a mutual friend, um, a friend who has been on the board with, served on the board with Courtney and with Women in Work before I was even around. And she just said, I just think you two would be just good friends. And so Courtney and I had one phone conversation. We had never met, never seen each other, anything. And we just connected just as two women. And so I was, man, like, I would love to have more conversations with her. I would love to get to know her just as a woman with no other agenda, no what can I, how can I strategize this or what will it bring me? And I think that that's part of what makes this so fun is because as two women with like-minded goals, we just want to use what we have for the kingdom. This became an easy transition because we were having conversations and we were talking about things in life and we were learning from each other already. Exactly. And I just, for me, I never, it was never like I had a dream to start a podcast. Right. It was really the vision of, I, the Lord had really put in my heart that I wanted to help women help women's imagination, how, to mm-hmm. just imagine what are some ways that possibly God could use me that I've never even considered. And um, what better way than to hear the stories of, of how he's moving in the lives of other women and to hear his faithfulness and all of that. And so it just seemed like a podcast was the best method of getting stories out. I mean, we also do have a blog series called Work Done Well that you can yes. read some stories. Um, you can check that out, but it seemed like the podcast was the most effective method. And then I loved Missy because we have the same heartbeat, but yet, you know, I'm from the South. She's from West Philadelphia (laughs) and we had different upbringing. I mean, similar actually kind of family upbringings, but culturally different. And Mm -hmm. I just thought that would be such a neat combination to different perspective, but the same heartbeat. So. And, and now we're just—I say all the time. I wish I lived in Wake Forest and worked in your office. <laughs> you know, it killed me to be all the way in El Paso and you not to be there. I know, like, no. you guys. She was just in my town, and I wasn't even there. <laughs> That's uh, right. We'll make it happen. All right. So another question we got along the same lines, Missy, was who do you dream of interviewing? So who would you say? Okay, I already know that one of the people. We are probably going to agree on one that's going to be equally our dream. And that is Joanna Gaines. It would be so (laughs) incredible to have her on the show. I was a fan of her work. Just I love um, DIY. I love making things beautiful. It's just a passion of mine. And so, I mean, clearly not to that level. Not Let me not pretend. But Sure, sure. So I had been a fan for a long time. So Joanna Gaines is one person. And also, I don't know, I watched Black Panther with my family. And in the movie, um, Black Panther's sister, who is the scientist, her name is Letitia Wright. And she is also a believer. And first of all, her, her British accent is outstanding. <laughs> it's just beautiful. But she, I just have heard her do, uh, take a lot of really beautiful gospel stance in her career. And so I would love to interview her on that kind of work. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Very cool. I haven't seen the movie, but I mean, how much fun would it be to interview someone? I mean, that's right. Let's do it. (laughs) Another person I kind of have a dream of interviewing is Carrie Underwood. Mm -hmm. Um, I've just been a fan of hers y'all since the American Idol days. And (laughs) I just kind of love her. And I, I don't know. I just, I just think, Lord, maybe one day because she knows the Lord. She's a believer. Um, she's got an amazing voice. I don't know. I just, 
I don't know. I, I, I want to know her. I want to be friends, Carrie. Listen, <laughs> Reach listen. out. Joanna, Leticia, Carrie, if you want to be on this podcast, guys, come on. Right. We'll take you. We'll take you. <laughs> come on. Come on. Okay. So a question that we got from Twitter, which I thought was great, was I've heard from women in my local church that they don't feel like they are doing much for the kingdom in their jobs especially after hearing stories from missionaries that leave everything and move to another country. How can you encourage women who have corporate or non-vocational ministry jobs to understand their importance in furthering the gospel as an insider in the workplace? Wow. We love this question. Yeah. We love this question. This is what we are all about. Missy, do you want to take Sav first? Or you want me to go at it? You, you, you go, go at it and then, yeah. <laughs> Okay. I mean, I love this question. One of, I feel like our heartbeat and goals at Women in Work is really to tear down the idea of the division of sacred spaces and secular, the sacred and the set. You always hear that it, that's two different worlds, but I mean, I feel like I'm a broken record here. One of my favorite verses is Romans eleven thirty six. Mm. For from him, through him, and to him are all, all things. things. Yes, all girl. things um, come from him, and we offer it back to him, and it's all for his glory and, and praise. And so, that is whether you are called a vocational missionary, where you're doing, you know, um, I mean, she mentions, you know, here a missionary, which is really, you know, obvious um, vocational ministry, full time. It's your whole life laying on the line there. Um, but I mean, if you are working in a, you know, non-ministry, typical ministry setting, I mean, you're just as much a missionary there because you are being right. salt and light in those spaces, right? And you're rubbing shoulders with men and women who, I mean, most likely don't know the Lord, aren't um, involved in a church, don't live on the mission field. You, you, that, you, that is your mission field. Um, so it's just such an opportunity. But I think beyond that, Beyond even just evangelism, I love the idea of thinking through how in the beginning, back in Genesis, when God set forth the creation mandate, and again, I feel like I talk about this all the time, but um, when he really established work with Adam and Eve, you know, here, um, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, you know, and it's not just, okay, go have babies, but let's, he wanted them to cultivate a working functional society. And then we see that basically all throughout history, that is what humans have done. They have built the processes. They have built systems that make the world work. And every single job, every single aspect of a functional society is a part of that. And I think the mm -hmm. beauty of it ends in Revelation when it's no longer a simple garden, but now it's this beautiful New Jerusalem, a city coming down out of heaven. And so you, it, you've gone from the simplicity of a garden to the complexity of a city. And it's, it's, um, it has um, reminiscence of Eden, right? Because it's going to be perfect, perfection. It's going to be a paradise, but it's the complexity and the multifacets of, of a working functioning city. And so I just feel like there are so, so many ways in work, um, men and women, can be a part of that process. And there's a quote that I just, I love this. I'm going to, I'm going to share this with him real fast, but it's um, Gene Veith Jr. from his book, God at Work, Your mm -hmm. Christian Vocation in mm -hmm. All of Life. And it says, when I go into a restaurant, the waitress who brings me my meal, the cook in the back who prepared it, the delivery men, the wholesalers, the workers in the food processing factories, the butchers, the farmers, the ranchers, and everyone else in the economic food chain are all being used by God to answer the prayer, 
give me this day my daily bread, which is part of the Lord's prayer. So the complexity of all those workers fulfilling that one, one prayer request, um, we're just all a part of what God is doing in a big picture in the world. And it may not look spiritual, but it is, it actually is. And it's all about his grand purpose for, for the world, really. And, you know, Courtney, you are like, this is spot on. Matthew 5, Matthew 5, I don't want to mess up the quote, the, the, the location, but um, Jesus said, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. And so like our good works are not just happening in pulpits, right? Our good works right. are not just happening in vocational ministry opportunity positions. I do think that sometimes we can over emphasize the people who have gone to the other end of the world and we forget I'm currently taking a missions class and America is nowhere near as Christian as we like to believe it is that the the number of people who are not attending church the number of people who have not we are post-Christian so we are missionaries in our workspaces I worked in a flower shop this is a flower shop every day regular people came into the flower shop Mm -hmm. and I had the opportunity to let my light shine before men so that they may see my good works and glorify my father in heaven. And like, I remember that that was a thing that I thought about as I was (laughs) arranging flowers and delivering flowers and ringing up people's orders. And like the way I interact with these people and the way I interact with my coworkers all brings glory to the Lord with my intentions. And so I would encourage them to, to not see themselves anything. Hierarchies and work is not, God didn't do that. <laughs> that was not God's design. Some work being important and other work not being, that is not the Lord. That is not the Lord. And Missy, can't you just tell, I mean, even when you're shopping, let's just say you go into a retail space and there is a a, a worker there, someone who works in that space and they're talking to you and asking you and helping you, you know, whether it's trying on clothes or whatever, you can tell just, can you not tell sometimes by that person's joy or their smile or their eagerness to serve? Sometimes you can just spot the fruit of the spirit and someone just out in the world. And I feel like that is so huge. It's just walking in the spirit of God and emanating the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, all of those things. It is such a light and it's, we don't talk about it enough, how important no, it is yes. um, just and recognizable. People recognize there is something different about that woman, just her own joy, you know? So, and I would just add one last thing. And I know we got a million questions, mm-hmm. but I also think that sometimes our own inability or fear of having gospel conversations keeps us from behaving certain ways because we don't want to be nailed to the carpet for being Christian. So like, I don't want to be overly Christian because I may not be able to defend my faith well, or I'm afraid to have gospel conversations. And I just want to encourage us to be constantly leaning on the Holy Spirit for those moments, for those words, for the confidence in him. You know what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. I'm constantly thinking, Lord, hide me behind the cross. Lord, hide mm-hmm. me behind the cross. These people don't need to ever fall in love with Missy. I have nothing. <laughs> I am no one. So yeah, I just want to encourage like, know your savior and it begins mm. to fall out of you anyway. Right. It sure does. It sure does. <clears throat> okay. Next one. All right. So our next question came from Instagram. What are some of your favorite ways to stay refreshed? 
Mm. Okay. I, I, everybody who knows me, I, I'm dramatic. Like, not dramatic as in I'm going to fall apart crying, but if you're going to do it, we're going to do it all the way. Okay. So. <laughs> I can attest to that just from coming to Cultivate Conference yeah. at the seminary. It was over the top, beautiful, every detail, perfection. It was walking into a dream. So I vouch I for that statement. What it is, but for me, why half step? Why do it part of the way? Right. I so my poor husband, my shower is a spa, right? Mm. It's not cute. Like, I don't have like some custom made shower. It's a regular bathroom. But okay. every possible thing for me to feel completely cared for is happening in that shower. And for me, taking care of my skin, taking care of my feet, taking care of my nails, those things are like small investments in me that just I I feel refreshed. I also really love to read and I have just learned that if I missy I like to work out at night. I didn't know that about myself. I felt guilty for not working out in the morning because everyone makes you think that your devotions and your workout and the pictures you take while you're doing it all have to happen in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I just am like, I'm just not that person. So I work out at night and I don't know why. I love it. I feel refreshed. I have a janky treadmill in my um, basement and she's my boo. But because I'm, too much, because I'm too much, I named the three pieces of workout equipment that I have in my basement Club Fit, and I have disco lights and um, Apple TV and all that because I'm too much. But it's my space. Hey. It's me time. So I hear you. I love it. I love it. Um, that's great. <laughs> um, for me, my favorite ways to stay refreshed. Um, okay. So whenever we take personality tests. And this is back in the day, like pre-Enneagram. Yes. I would always fall right in the center of introvert, extrovert. Okay. So I love people. I love parties. I love chatting. I love meeting new people. But I discovered about myself, I think I'm really an introvert because yes. I really get refueled by myself. And yes. so, I mean, when I say refresh, I mean, soul level, gut level, if I am not like meeting with the Lord and getting that fuel from him and his word, I am, I am going to get spent real fast. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a necessity, right? Um, So that's obviously number one. I know that sounds very Christian, but it is just the truth. That's the way I start my day. And I just told my coworker, I was like, if I don't have my quiet minutes alone, my day is shot. And I didn't know that that was, but it's the truth. It's good actually to be that dependent on them. And even just journaling, I've got so many thoughts and writing Mm -hmm. just to me, getting the thoughts out with a pen in a, in my journal, it is, it clears my brain for the day and helps me move forward and not be overwhelmed. That's great. Um, So that's huge. Another thing I love, excuse me, is kind of goes with what I just said, but people like women, I Having women, like-minded women that I can connect with on a heart level, it doesn't have to be all the time. It's not like I need it every day, um, but having some of those few core women that um, I can be real with and share my heart with and let my guard down, and I know they are trustworthy and they love me, and then I can listen to them and pour back into them and just having laughter. I mean, those are things I feel like, especially after COVID and being yeah. isolated, I have found that community to is so, so needed. Um, another thing I love is fiction. I have really kind of gotten yes. into reading fiction 
I'm currently reading. So my son just finished reading all of the Harry Potter series. We're way late to the game, y'all. <laughs> You're young. So, so, <laughs> so I'm in the only in the first book of the Harry Potter series, but that's been, it just is, it's such an escape, I think from everyday life. Um, it's just been nice to just kind of read some, some fiction. You know, I think some things are refreshing, but they're also just sweet gifts and like relationships with women who you can refresh your soul, whether you're an introvert or extrovert is a gift. And I think that we shouldn't, we should be careful not to take those lightly. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And the ability to seek out and find the things that refresh us and know that the Lord, that's a gift from the Lord that we shouldn't take that for granted either. So I I also shouldn't feel guilty about it. No, as a matter of fact, I would encourage women to be finding the things that refresh them, things that they're not going to idolize. Refreshing and idolizing are not the same thing, Mm -hmm. but um, things that really center you back to the cross, things that really allow you to calm your anxious heart, things that really bring you peace. Why? Like We need that. Praise God. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Courtney, this question came it's a came from the form um and this one is a this one's a good one Courtney it's not one of the easiest ones and so I think we should tackle it it's the question is what advice do you have for the woman who is the primary spiritual leader in her home her husband is choosing not to be Mm -hmm. now Courtney I will say this the only thing I can ever, I have heard myself say enough dumb stuff over the years. The only thing I can do is point you to the cross and point you to the Savior. You, I would, and I would love to hear your thoughts, but I, Missy, would challenge that woman to pray like she's never prayed before, to mm-hmm. worship her Savior like she's never worshiped before, and to continue to do what she needs to do in her home, to continue to point her family towards Jesus, and to... Um, continue to serve, obviously serve him the way she's supposed to serve him, but to continue to be what she needs to be for our children. You know, often by default, women can become the spiritual leaders when they have um, husbands who travel a lot or who are deployed or who just are absent or constantly tired, working different shifts, all those other things. So it's not always because he's abdicating. And so you should be prepared to lead your children spiritually no matter what. So that means you knowing your word, you having biblical answers for your children, but then also encouraging your children to pray for dad and you encouraging your husband to pray for you, you sending your children to dad with certain questions, which will challenge him to hopefully to want to know these answers. And then looking for men in his life, who are the men that he feels uh, accountable to? If that's no one even being willing to have that conversation. But I say, Mm -hmm. You don't abdicate your position um, as a leader for your children spiritually because he chooses not to, but it can be an incredible opportunity for you to watch the Lord do what only he can do through your prayer life and even the lives of your children's prayer life. So, mm-hmm. no, I love that. It's so wise and helpful, Missy. Yeah. I mean, my first thought for this woman is compassion for her. Yes. Um, I know she's hurting just by writing that question. She's yes. looking at her husband and she's like, this is not who, you know, I thought, I thought I was burying a spiritual leader here. This is probably the reason why she married him. And so she's, she's probably hurting a little bit that now, you know, he's not living up to the potential. Maybe she knew God has for him. And so, um, I, I see that. And, um, but I also, I really echo my, my first, 
you know, um, response in my heart to the question is for her not to despair, not to give up, to continue walking forward with the Lord, that she cannot put her hope in man. She has to put her hope in the Lord. She cannot, you know, her, her hope cannot be in one day he's going to be this or that. One day I'm going to have this because X, Y, or Z. Her, she has to look, her eyes have got to be on the Lord. Yeah. I mean, James says, and James, James is one of my favorites in the whole book, the whole Bible, but one of mine. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect or its perfect work that you may be perfected and complete, lacking nothing. That this, seeing this as a trial is not just for the sake of hurting or dragging or pulling you down, but that you can count it all joy that the Lord is doing something even in you. I think it was Piper who said one time, we see things, this is not a direct quote, but we see things on the surface, but behind the scenes, God is doing a thousand other things that we may never know. And so this is a trial of your faith and that you should count it all joy. And Courtney's right. There's so many reasons why we can wind up in that. And you could have known and just thought that marriage was going to change him, or you could have honestly thought it was going to be somebody different. But either way, the Lord can and will use it. He does not waste our time and our experiences. And I think that that's where the hope lies. Yeah. And I would just say, too, not to constantly be pressuring him. You're not yes. doing the, you know, the accusations yes. and all of that. You can't be doing all that. Yes. You got to be quiet. You got to pray. Better to dwell on the rooftop. <laughs> With a nagging wife. Yes. So don't be the nagging wife. Just be, put your hope in the Lord. Look to him, pray, and you be faithful. And yes. your, your witness will win him. Your joy, um, not your nagging, will win him over eventually, hopefully. And I want you to know that there's a community of women, just by that virtue of that question, who will be praying for oh, yeah. you. I will. I don't know who asked that question, but I believe in the power of prayer, and I will ask the Lord to meet you where you are. And I, will, mm-hmm. I intend to be praying for you. Amen. So here is a question we tend to get quite often, Missy. How do I balance being a mom full time and working full time, and not feel the mom guilt? Girl, <laughs> this is the question. All women, all we all want to know how do we, I wish there was a perfect answer, Missy. No, I wish there was here's three. We steps. actually, we actually did get a on our show on one episode, and I don't remember who it was. I think I remember who it was. Probably Miss Sheila West. What is balance? Stop it. Stop mm-hmm. it. We're not balancing anything. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have really begun to get this visual picture of juggling, right? When when a person is juggling, there are some things that are in their hands and there are some things in their in the air, but they are always keenly aware of the things that are in the air. They know mm-hmm. when it's coming around and coming back down. That's how they are a good juggler, right? So it's not their hands aren't on it right now, but they're fully aware of it. When we're full time this and full time that and full time you can't you ain't got but only one full time, right? <laughs> Right. So you're juggling. <laughs> the reality is you're juggling. And in this moment, your hands are fully on this. And in another moment, your hands are on that. And I think we need to give ourselves grace. The Lord told us to take his yoke upon us because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We can't do it all. Nobody mm-hmm. can. 
No one is doing mm-hmm. it perfectly. There is no one. I don't care if she says she is. She's lying to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Instagram is a liar. Yes. <laughs> We're always constantly redoing, retrying, finding something, but recognizing that there's grace at the cross. So guilt does not come from our savior. That's right. And our children Thank are you. more resilient than we will ever be. They don't remember. Right? <laughs> One of the things I I tell myself when I am tempted to feel mom guilt, the opportunities that I'm involved in and the work that the Lord has put on my plate, like I know I started women in work, so it's not, I mean, that was, that was of me, but it was a leading of the Lord. And so I feel like a lot of the opportunities, these aren't things that I am out pushing for. Does this make sense? Yes. These are things that he is bringing my way. And with wisdom and discernment, I either say yes or no. And I don't, because I don't feel like I'm, I don't know another way to say it, pushing for these things. I feel a sense of this is from the Lord. These are, these are things he's wanting me to walk in. And I can be as faithful as I can be up to what he's given me. Um, And then I just trust. I just have to trust that it's going to be okay. It's really going to be okay. Yes. I think that we, what I'm hearing and what I think is the real answer, motivation. Like, Mm, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Motivation and commitments. You gave birth to these children or you adopted these children or you decided to be these children's mom one way or the other. And Mm. so that is a commitment you must fulfill. (laughs) Definitely. Like you have to, but then you sign a contract to write a book or you are, took this job or you are whatever that you have to honor those commitments. And I think when we recognize that if my motivation really is to be so pro building a platform or career that I'm willing to sacrifice my children and the relationships with them, then you need to be, we all need to be reminded that we will stand before the Lord for that. But if the Lord provides opportunities and they coincide with the way my life is working, then all I can do is say, thank you, Lord. And I'm going to take a step. And each time I'm going to check with them, my kids, my husband, my community, does this look good? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Am I doing what I can do? And then when it doesn't, I'm sorry. It's okay to be like, you know what? Mommy let you down today. I'm supposed to. I'm not God. But, you know, like everybody's going to be okay. And I think. The idea that motherhood is supposed to look a particular way is unfair. And I think the idea that womanhood is supposed to look a particular way is unfair. Amen. All right. So, Missy, here's a question that's very similar that I feel like kind of goes hand in hand with this previous one we just talked about. And she asked, can we talk about child care? How can we destigmatize the discussion among Christian women? And I think what she's getting at here, Missy, and you tell me if, if you've felt this yourself, that basically... If you are a mom, just like you said, God is, I chose, or, you know, the Lord has given me these kids. What Maybe I didn't plan the pregnancy, but here I am with these children. They're a gift from the Lord um, in this time, right? Um, I have felt this myself um, that, okay, he's given me the responsibility of being these children's mother. And for me to allow someone else to watch them on a consistent basis is me abdicating my responsibility as a mother. Okay. I have felt this, my oldest child, it was, you know, I put him in preschool. I think it was maybe like a two day a week preschool for five hours or whatever. Um, and I was excited about it because I needed some time away from him. Right. Um, but woman. the idea that I would put any of my children in a full-time daycare or, you know, a full-time preschool 
at that point in my life felt very much like, whoa, I'm not being a good mother if I do this. Now, I will tell you now at this point in, in motherhood for me, my youngest is four. She has been um, actually since COVID. When we got out of COVID, you know, we had been home from March to December, my whole family in the same walls. Um, she was three at the time, I believe. After that, we all needed an outlet. And I said, you know what, for our own sanity and health, we are putting that baby girl in full-time preschool. And it has been life-giving for her. It has been life-giving for me. Um, so for, I think for women who have the choice, this is, I feel like the question is, is I that. was about to say, <laughs> yeah. we're starting off with privilege. <laughs> How you, are you going to look at me and talk a bit, tell me what I got to do about childcare if I have to work? Like, what am I supposed to Thank do? Thank you. Everybody can't choose to not work to stay with their children. So I love for the opportunity. Don't get me wrong. If you mm -hmm. can and you're choosing not to, let's evaluate why. But even that's not in and of itself sinful. <laughs> you Thank know what you. I'm saying? I think we need, we really need to stop it. But you know what? It starts with us, one, idolizing motherhood. And mm -hmm. I'm sorry, God did not call us to idolize motherhood or idolize marriage. Right. Thank We're supposed you. to use all of these things to reflect glory to him, to draw people to him. And to you know what I'm saying? Like, and so I do think yes. every one of us have to have have different reasons for why we do what we do for the decisions we make. If you are prayerfully considering what to do because you have a choice, if you are prayerfully considering what to do and child care is what needs to be done. Like, why, like, why are we having the conversation? And I guess it's maybe my age or maybe it's my culture, but the people around us are really going to be thinking all kinds of things all the time. And I really don't have the mental bandwidth to be concerned. So <laughs> I have to go. Okay. I will tell you that there was a time in my life. I mean, back in the early days of my motherhood, it was a pride thing for me that I thought I'm a better mother because I'm raising my children, like they are with me day in and day out and not, I'm not allowing them to go to like a preschool or childcare. I, it was, it was pride on my behalf. And the Lord had to humble me and say, you know what? You are not a better mother. Like you, that, that is not somehow, I mean, pride and let's come on. I know you mean. It up anyway, yes. Yes. but I, I think it kind of goes, it's just all up in the mommy war, mommy war type. You know, what an incredible opportunity to be able to spend years cultivating um, our children when they're little that what praise the Lord for that freedom for those women who have it. And what an incredible opportunity for our children to go and make friends and learn from other children and be exposed to people who are different than them and mm -hmm. learn other languages and all that in childcare. Like, like the Lord is, he is getting glory from all of these spaces and he loves our children more than we do. So if our children have to be in childcare, I used to tell my kids all the time, if the Lord doesn't keep you, you can't be kept. I don't care how good a mom I am. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter what I do. And I mean, it does, but you know what I mean? Like the Lord mm. is ultimately like he's, I give them to me. I'm going to take care of them. Yeah. And so I think we as women would do a much better job of really shepherding our own flock, right? <laughs> like Thank really you. caring hard for our own children and then praying for the women around us that they would have the same boldness and courage and community to do what they need to do for their children, whatever it is that they need to do for their children. Yes. I don't, you and I don't come from 
spaces where our moms could choose not to work to take care of us. Mm -hmm. I really am not convinced that I love Jesus less now because of that. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So, all right, let's go. Okay. We got got a lot more questions here. Goodness, um, where do we want to go after this, Missy? We've got some good ones here. Okay, I like this one, and we can we can certainly skip around, but okay. for the woman who wants to grow in her biblical literacy and studies, what program do you recommend? So, okay, program, books, I think that there's uh, several ways. One, you don't have to necessarily be enrolled in a program to grow in grow biblically. You can read your Bible. That's the first thing. <laughs> then there are people, Jen Wilkin, just about anything she has written will help you grow spiritually. I'm currently taking a class and there's a book in that I'm reading for class called The Church on Mission by Craig Ott. Um, wow. There is a series of books and there it's the series is 40 questions about dot, dot, dot. And those 40 questions are about all kinds of different things. And we'll put this in the show notes, but I work at Southeastern Seminary and on our Women Around Southeastern page, we have a read like a seminarian page for women who would not necessarily have the opportunity to go to seminary. Okay. So that's without being a part of a program. What I do know does exist though is at Southeastern and other sister seminaries, there are certificate programs where you're not necessarily enrolled in a full-on degree, but yet you have the opportunity to learn from professors who will um, train you, equip you for ministry, for missions, on all those things. We'll put a link to Southeastern's website to that. There are full-grown, I mean, full-blown degree programs that you can take. And then I know Lifeway is doing an academy. That's right, yeah. Um, there, we're no longer at a space where there's an excuse to be biblically illiterate. Mm-hmm. Now it's a choice. Now mm-hmm. you, we choose to be biblically illiterate. You could literally be illiterate and be li- biblically literate because <laughs> you can listen to books now. You can't. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like nowadays we really don't have an excuse. And so I would say that there are tons of books. And like I said, we'll put the links to Southeastern, to the Read Like a Seminarian, to Lifeway. There are so many, and there's so many more opportunities to grow biblically. I do, I do, my soapbox is, is that we need to see ourselves as theologians. We are theologians. We just have to be honest about whether we're good ones or bad ones, right? Mm -hmm. What we're believing about God, yeah. Right. And so, um, yes, I say go, grow biblically, ladies. All right. (laughs) Another thing I would just even add to that is I feel like I learn the Bible most thoroughly by sitting under good preaching. Yes. And and we out, week out. So I will tell you, when I was in college, I was at a church where the pastor, it was expositional preaching. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was like Sunday morning. This was back when we were going on Sunday night. Yes. He was preaching on Wednesday night. And I was at college Bible study on Thursday. I was like getting immersed in the word of God. And I can tell you, there are still passages that I can, because he was such a faithful expositor of the word. I can still, I can read passages and still hear his voice reading that passage. And it's so much so that even when I started seminary, I already was so familiar with a lot of the doctrines just simply by sitting under that preaching for four years, hearing it just week in and week out. And so 
find a good church women. And if you are, you know, somewhere where there is, you know, um, I'm, and I, I do want to say this expositional preaching there, there is, this is, this is one of my soapboxes, Missy. <laughs> there is, in my opinion, my mm-hmm. humble opinion, there is not one way to preach. Okay. I have, right. I've been in spaces where that has been idolized, right? Expositional right. preaching. I have right. sat under some of the most wonderful topical preaching that was so beneficial and helpful and really spirit filled that it just grew my whole walk with the Lord. And so, um, but I will say, if you can get verse by verse preaching, you need to be sitting under that, even if it's not locally, like podcast, hello, find, find your favorite preacher and and start learning. Um, so that's huge. I, I just wanted to throw that in that local church is a great place to learn your Bible. You're not just reading right. it, read the Bible, y'all. But you're right. Our churches, that's what the church is supposed to be a resource. You're a thousand percent right. If you're, your pastor is supposed to be a huge resource. And I don't think we shouldn't take it for granted. And both of you, both of us are married to men who preach. My husband is a preacher in his dreams. Like he is always, he's a preacher awake. He's a preacher asleep. He's a preacher in the shower. He's always <laughs> preaching. And so like I've grown to love learning God's word. And, but I, you're right. Learning a verse is different than understanding a book in the context of the it. The context. Yeah. So, Yep. Yeah. Okay. What you got next? Hmm. Here we go. Now, this is a very interesting question. Is it wrong to only want one kid for the ease of going back to work? Hmm. Missy. Hmm. So, okay. First of all, how many kids do you have, Missy? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I have four. So <laughs> you have four. I have three. Um. Okay. Do you want me to take handle? You start, start with this. Yeah. You start with this one. I think it goes back to what we mentioned earlier, your heart motivation. Um, I do think as Christians, if, if you are a woman who is married um, and the Lord, I think Christian families are a light in the culture. Okay. So I value Christians having children. I do not think that is woman's sole purpose, obviously. Um, but I do think it is a beautiful blessing to the world to have families that know the Lord. Um, if your heart motivation is you're feeling guilt, like, oh, I'm supposed to have this kid. I don't really want to. But I'm feeling like my husband wants this and I don't really want to. I mean, you, you probably need to go pray about that um, <laughs> because. I, I don't think all women need to have kids. I, I don't have a, There's not a rule in my mind that if you're a married Christian woman, you must become a mother. I, I certainly don't have that rule um, because the Lord is so much bigger. He's than, the giver of life. He's the giver of life. Exactly. Well, there, there's no one right way to be a Christian woman. Um, and so I will say it. I don't I don't like how it's sitting with me, though, you know, to to say, uh really my heart is so pulled over here. I'm going to shut this down simply for work. Like, why do you love work that much? Like, like, what is it? What's drawing you so hard? I I mean, I don't know. I I think you should pray about it. Yeah. I think what you said at the beginning was spot on. It's about the motivation of the heart. I'm not in your, your living room with your relationship with your husband 
with your finances, with your physical mm-hmm. capacity and capabilities. I'm not pretending to be um, fully versed on the why behind this, but if it if the only motivation is because I got to get back out there and work, I think that one, we just need to recognize that the Lord has plans for us. And it's very rare, <laughs> at least in my experience, that the plans I have for me are the exact same plans that the Lord has for me. <laughs> That's right. And so I've started holding my plans with an open fist as opposed to a closed one because the Lord, mm-hmm. now you have to wrestle it out my hands. I'm like, just take it, Lord, and do what you're going to do. <laughs> there it is. Um, uh, I will say that I actually, if you would have asked me before I had children, I actually would have preferred to not have any children. And I actually didn't necessarily see the value in getting married and um, dedicating my life to someone else, to other people, when I personally wanted to be a Supreme Court justice. So I was like, let me just not be about other people. And I remember someone, when I described that to them, they said, man, that sounds almost selfish. And I was just like, what? How are you? I'm telling you, I'm not going to bring kids in the world and that's so that I don't have to be a bad mom. And she said, it only sounds selfish because of your motivation. She said, it doesn't sound like you consulted the Lord and said, Lord, my heart is open to whatever you give me. And I will bless you because the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so that I think is really the conversation. What is the motivation behind the true motivation? Mm-hmm. And um, you, whatever your work is, your work is good. God, praise God for work. Well, mm-hmm. I don't think every work is good, but work is good. <laughs> but, um, but is your work an idol? Is your work ne- necessary? Can your work be put on hold? Is your work how you identify yourself? I think just having those questions answered. Mm-hmm. Really, but there we can't give you the answer to that. We can't give you the answer to that. We can only say that the Lord knows your heart. And so you be willing to be transparent with him about it. Just as you were talking, I was thinking about, I love what you said about open-handedness, okay? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about Jesus himself being a servant, but being a sacrificial servant. Yes. He was willing to sacrifice even his own life, you know? Um, for the love of others. And so I I think that if you could come to a place in your heart where you said, if the Lord grants me to have children, Lord, give me a heart that's willing to lay down whatever it is to love you and to love others. Um, First and second greatest commandment, um, because that looks an awful lot like Jesus. And it could be that once you do that, you know, I just think about how often in scripture, I mean, the Lord test people to know what was in their heart. You know, it's like, you know, Abraham with his son um, testing, you know, are you going to lay him down or not? And then as soon as, as he did, he said, mm, guess what? Don't take his life, you know? Mm-hmm. So it could be that the Lord is is wanting to get you to a place of surrender to say, hmm, okay, you really are Lord of my life. I'm willing to, I'm, I'm going to lay it down for you. And, um, that's not a promise that the Lord's going to then say, here's your dream job on the other side of that. But just he, he he's after our hearts. He's after the affection of our hearts and that our hearts value his worthiness really in whatever space you're walking in. So that's good. Hope he, hope he takes you there. Um, 
So this, I think this will be another good question. Okay. Um, Okay. Should I learn to be content in the job that I'm in? Is wanting to do more selfish ambition? I love this conversation. <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> okay. I think that we first need to not make um, contentment and recognizing that there are, there's more that I can do or I have other capabilities or I have other skills. We don't need to pit them against each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think that that's part of it. And I also think that we need to not make all ambition selfish. We yes. don't. We need to remove the idea that every ambition is selfish, greedy, and power hungry. Mm-hmm. Just, and yeah. we also need to remove, I think this is kind of what you were saying there at the beginning, the idea that contentment is always amazing <laughs> or the goal. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. And now, if you are coveting after something, you know, be content with what the Lord has given you. I mean, the scripture is clear about that. It goes back to the Ten Commandments. Um, so do not covet. Be content with with all you have. Don't mm-hmm. don't love money because you're wanting what everybody else has. But ambition. Okay, so there's Missy, do you want to jump in? I've got a lot of thoughts well, here. Well, listen, just if you would just <laughs> basically go to Webster's dictionary and look up ambition, it would say, um, ambition is a desire to achieve a particular end. So, like, if you've aligned your desires with God's mission and not your own self-glory, then mm-hmm. ambition can be good and it can propel us literally in the right direction. And so the question you have to ask yourself about your ambition is what is the goal of your ambition and what is the drive? And you, a person can be working at a job they hate but be trusting in the Lord and be content because they trust that the Lord is giving them the um, the skills, the opportunities or whatever to move onto something else at some point. I don't know when, Lord, but I, I see these things happening. And Lord, I've just been having such good time, conversations with believers who are affirming these things. And, and I've just been so convicted to pray about this, that and the other thing. And I'm grateful for my job. Don't get me wrong, but I know you have a plan for me after this. And so I'm going to rejoice in this season, but I'm also going to look forward to what is next. And I think that those things can coexist. I do too. I really think about contentment. I'm not sorry, not contentment. I think about ambition with fruitfulness Mm -hmm. and flourishing and stewardship. I mean, one of our big things at Women at Work, we want to see women leverage their potential for God's glory. What God has put in you, man, use it. Like, do not waste the faculties he has put just in you. Like, use Mm -hmm. it for his glory. There is a quote. I got to read this quote. It's from John Stott, okay? Uh Um, It's in a book called The Message of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm going to read this because it is it. This is what helped me change my thinking about ambition. It says ambitions for self may be quite modest. Okay, you have enough to eat, enough yep. to drink, enough to wear, or they may be grandiose—a bigger house, faster car, higher salary, wider reputation, more power. But whether modest or immodest, these ambitions for myself, my comfort, my wealth, my status, my power—that is not what we're after, right? But mm-hmm. he goes on to say. 
Ambitions for God, however, if they are to be worthy, can never be modest. There is something inherently inappropriate about cherishing small ambitions for God. Mm. How can we ever be content that he should acquire just a little more honor in the world? No, once we are clear that God is king, then we long to see him crowned with glory and honor and accorded his true place, which is the supreme place. We become ambitious for the spread of his kingdom and righteousness everywhere. So I say, if you are tracking with the Lord and you are on mission with God, and I don't mean, you know, you're out there full-time servant in vocational ministry. I mean, in the workplace, whatever he's called you to do, um, whatever it is, if you are doing it for the spread of his glory and honor in the world, you cannot dream small. You got to dream big. <laughs> Listen, and even if the Lord keeps it small, that's okay. Absolutely. I think that that's what's been sweet about this podcast, Courtney, is that you and I have not thought, what if this gets big? Or like, I honestly, the first time I heard somebody tell me that they heard the podcast, I was thrown off. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think about the fact that we get blown away by 200 people. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think that it's because we just wanted to go magnify the Lord and see kingdom work happening and whatever the Lord does with that, praise God, praise God. Well, I just go back to, there are several scriptures, just as I read this, this uh, question came to mind. I think of John 15, five, we always think about, we, we equate that passage with abiding, but we're abiding. And what does that produce? Much fruit, Yes, much fruit, not a little bit, much fruit. And then Psalm one, you know, we're talking about the person yes. whose delight is in the Lord. Yes. Verse three says, he is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither and whatever he does prospers. Okay. I got, I got a couple more here. Psalm 52. <laughs> He's con- comparing and contrasting those who walk with the Lord and those who do not. And there's all kinds of bad things that happen for people who do not. But then he contrasts that and he says, but I am like a flourishing olive tree in the house of God. I trust in God's faithfulness forever. That flourishing, that growing, that building, Girl, come on. Um, providing shade. Think about a tree providing shade and rest because of your faithfulness to God. Psalm 128. This is beautiful. Um, it's really has just a beautiful picture. It says, how happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways? Um, it's kind of got a family motif here. It says, you will surely eat what your hands have worked for. You will be happy. It will go well for you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like young olive trees around your table. In this very way, the man who fears the Lord will be blessed. I mean, I just feel like, man, if you are walking with God and you are walking in the spirit of God and following his lead, really following his lead, go for it. I mean, I love to see women Stepping by faith, by faith, Missy, not for their own ambition, not for their own glory, in humble dependence upon God and God saying, I will honor that. That is the offering I will honor. Listen, this is why we're talking about work and not just having jobs, right? Because I heard a, a preacher say that there is a difference between having a job and working. And I love this quote by Dorothy Sayers, who, you know, she was an English writer. She says, work is not primarily a thing one does to live, but the thing one lives to do. 
It is or should be the full expression of the worker's faculties, the thing in which he finds spiritual, mental, and bodily satisfaction, and the medium in which he offers himself to God. The work of our hands, like we should be ambitious with that, especially when we're only when we're offering it back to the Lord to do whatever it is he says to do. And so I think I know that we can find, we have learned what has been modeled for us throughout scripture is that there will be seasons when we are not living the dream when it comes to our work. And we will, Lord, thank you for this season. You are sustaining me. You are preparing me. Again, the Lord wastes wastes nothing. And we can, he, he is using our seasons to prepare us. He's building muscles. He's creating things in obscurity. He's teaching you things. I have told people that the years, the things that I do now in this job, I feel like were built in the years when I was just at home with my kids. <laughs> That's right. And yeah. um, I mean, I didn't get to do that forever, be home with the kids forever. But the years I was there, I feel like I get to use so much, so much of that here in this space. But I, I can also tell you that like there were times when I was working at the flower shop where I was so grateful for the job, so grateful for the opportunities. But I was like, Lord, I still feel like there's something else you have for me to do. And I can't shake that feeling. And yet I'm not like I'm not complaining. I'm not saying I need to quit this job right now. I'm saying, make it clear to me, Lord, open the doors, give me the opportunity, send the right people my way. And he did just that. So just what you're saying, it is very reminiscent of how I was feeling when I started Women in Work. I sensed mm-hmm. in me a stirring from the Spirit of God that there's something more. There's some mm-hmm. some stewardship things in within me that I felt like I need to be more faithful to actually manage those in a way that is going to honor God and He's going to be pleased with me. We're going to have to stand before Him one day and mm-hmm. give an account for all mm-hmm. these things He's put in us, um, even just education. And so I think that that stirring, there's a lot of women who probably feel the, the spirit of God leading them in some way and they can't quite figure it out. And for me, Missy, it took a while. It took took a couple of years even really mm-hmm. to figure it out. So be patient. Keep walking with the Lord. We want you to be the kind of women, just like you talked about in Matthew chapter five, um, that people see your good works and praise praise your father in heaven. And so um we love we love every woman who's listened to this. I wish we could meet all of you. And I know. I want to hear comments. We want to hear from y'all. And yes. um, Missy, that's all we got time for. I'm yes, I know. Time. I can't believe it. But we're going to have to wrap this up. You guys, thank mm-hmm. you so much for tuning in. And we are going to try our best to answer some of these questions and maybe some blog count, some blog posts coming up or even just some content on can, social media. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe we can throw some questions on social media that we got. That'd be fun. Yeah. Answers out there. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. All right. We'll see you next time. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website at womenwork.net for today's show notes. There will be more information about today's conversation there. And please take a minute to subscribe to our show and also give us a rating and review so more listeners can find us. And with that, we hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. See you next time, friends. Friends.